Good evening and welcome to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. And I'm Robert Pierce. And today we are looking at leadership. When leadership fails, lead your own. I mean, look, we've been put in this position where, you know, we know and we see loud and clearly that decisions that are being made are not for our well-being. And so at some point, we've just got to stop following blindly, which we never should have been doing anyway. Anyway, exactly. You know, and just do what we know is right for ourselves, for our families, for our loved ones. Yeah. I remember remember in the church, um, they used to say at the announcement, after the announcements, govern yourself accordingly. Govern yourself accordingly. You know, I got and, another one. Uh-huh. I got another one from the church. Um, I, everything is permissible for me, but everything is not good for me. And I, I know I'm Absolutely. saying it wrong, but I will not be mastered by anything. And right, so, right. yeah, everything's permissible. Governor said, go ahead. Yeah, go, go for out. it. <laughs> but it's not beneficial. Is not, that's the word. But it's, yeah, everything is not beneficial. It's not beneficial. And so, you know, I'm, we've been seeing the pictures out there. The streets are flooded, and you know, clubs open, pools open. Comedy it's clubs. It's, yeah, it's the, it's the <laughs> summer season now. But, um, you know, we still have to be careful. You know, it's interesting. Not much has been said about it being correlated with Memorial Day, but I don't know that there's a coincidence here that, you know, let's open everything up. Memorial Day weekend. Economics. You know. Every, all economics. this is economics. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So... We've got a really great show ahead. We're going to really with the first half of the show, we're going to talk leadership. We're going to do some comparison between what the sports industry is doing and what governors and, you know, the uh, politicians are doing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a very big difference. Uh, it's almost like they're two different worlds. Um, so we're going to look at that. Um, I've got some leadership uh, tips from watching Phil Jackson, just kind of some leadership, yeah. you Absolutely. know. Uh, the dance with a great documentary. We hope we talk about that. Some more. Oh, that's like, yes, we're yeah. definitely going to talk about that. And then the second half, we're going to look at some, um, things that we really didn't expect to be a side effect of COVID-19, which is parenting, co-parenting. You know, what happens when that other parent wants to pick the kid up, but they don't really have the same philosophy you do in terms of taking the precautions. Yeah, and social distancing, right? Yes. There have been some court cases around that already. And so, um, yeah, so we're going to delve into that with a psychiatrist. um, Oh, gosh. I think I well, she'll clarify that for us. But she's going to be on the show, Dr. Shadea Edwards. Um, And then on this first half of the show, we're going to have sports analyst Emmanuel Glaze. uh, Yes. So got a lot of stuff for you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, stay with us. We'll be back. Wow. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Robert Pierce. I'm Dr. Pamela. And today, our show, we're talking about, we're going to have two topics. Our first hour, we're going to talk about how sports are leading the way in this COVID-19 pandemic. And then in the second hour, we're going to talk about um, co-parenting through the COVID-19. Uh, we have two amazing guests that we're going to bring on shortly. Um, but right now, we're going to go into trending topics. Dr. Pam, what you have? For us? Yeah, well, what we just heard now was from, Gov- um, he's a, uh, gosh, I just I just had it up and then I just lost it. But he is um, a, a state representative, I believe, um, Kenyatta. And he basically um, stood up against the rapid responsible mode of reopening. And what he was saying is that, look, I care about people in my district and I want to make sure that if we do this, because clearly we're going to do this, 
let's do it correctly. And, and right before what you heard just now, um, what he also said was that it is really an elitist move to, um, for, to, to demand that everything gets opened up, meaning that the people who are really going to be impacted, they really want to be served. So the elites are like, I need service. I need people to cut my hair. I need people to serve me at restaurants. And by any whatever risk, it, it doesn't matter, just make it happen. And so these are the, the people who are on the front line are the very people we don't want to pay more than, you know, $15 an hour, the very people who we don't take into consideration when we pass these laws. And so I think it was quite profound uh, that, that, the, that he would stand up and that he would say, you know, exactly what needs to be said. Of course, he was mocked. Of course, he was booed. Um, but, but I think it was quite courageous. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent with with everything he said. Um, I think is we're being very irresponsible. And again, I keep saying it just shows how much economics plays into the decisions of, of every decision um, in our country. Uh, we'll disregard um, everything, our own lives um, in order to make a buck. Yeah. Um, you know, sports is coming back and we're going to talk about it. Um, some of them may be coming back a little too quickly. Um, just because of a dollar, mm-hmm. um, you know what I mean? We can say it's a, for a lot of other reasons, but no, it's because of the dollar. They're counting their money. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we have to take a step back. Um, we're killing each other, literally, um, because we're, we're running out just because we feel we want to be out in the street. Um, yeah. And you can go out, but let's do it responsibly. Right. Um yeah, and unfortunately, that's not what's happening. Well, it's interesting because the messages, you know, as we know, keep changing. But but what I guess is disappointing to me is that even um, the medical experts that we're counting on, um, you know, and, and I hate to praise judgment because I know the kind of pressure that they've been under. But um, Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci, both of them yeah. have kind of backtracked a bit from that whole we need to shelter in place. We need to let the medicine dictate what we're doing. Um, there was actually a headline where uh, Dr. Burks was asked um, by a reporter, you know, so why all of a sudden, you know, a few months ago you were saying, you know, right. shut everything down. The numbers are higher now. And, um, you know, now it's a different message. It's a different story. And and she actually effectively did not answer the question. She just, you know, kind yeah. of rambled on about. Well, you know, we know the pressure. Yeah. She can't say what she what she may want to say. I know. But, um, you know, the and pressure. Right. The, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no. And that's why my I, I kind of I try to empathize because I do get, you know, this is their entire careers on the line because Absolutely. of a toxic leader. Who yeah, they is. could end up in the North Pole somewhere at, at yeah. a waypost, you know, just literally, literally you know, and yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Well, we um, do have our first guest, um, uh, Emmanuel Glaze. He is a sports analyst, among many other things. And um, so we are definitely um, looking forward to the conversation with him. We're going to bring him on. Yes. Hey, Emmanuel. What's going on, Emmanuel? Uh, What's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. I'm doing great, man. That's great. I hear y'all talking sports. Like I'm glad y'all brought me on so we can get it so I can jump into the topic. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, let me quickly introduce you and then we can go ahead and get in this. So Emmanuel Glaze serves as at the found, uh, serves as the founder and co-host of the Crush Sports Talk, 
um, as well as the founder and CEO of Optimize the Vision. His mantra to have the dopest sports show on radio guides Emmanuel's tireless efforts to develop and grow the Crush Sports Talk. Like any good point on the hardwood, his, his vision and keen insight into the nuances of the show keep it running like a well-oiled machine. Now, Optimize the Vision is guided by its motto that sports plus exposure can lead to countless possibilities. The goal of the organization is to enhance the visions of children's futures by exposing them to countless opportunities that the world of sports can provide. This is created by taking middle school kids from Metro Atlanta to various sporting events while also providing a behind the scenes experience to provide the participants with a more holistic view of the sporting world. Welcome, Emmanuel. Welcome. Uh, thank you, I appreciate the intro. Really, yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. So, Robert, you all in the business now. I'm glad to be here to see you. How you doing? I'm doing well, bro. <laughs> all of your things going well. I love it. I love it. Yeah. This is quite an initiative um, to the, the optimize the vision and get kids out there. Um, so, we're going to go to a break, but um, I would love to hear a little bit more about it. And um, Robert has said he hopes we talk about the last dance. Last dance. I, and I, mean, I hope yeah. we talk. <laughs> and I know you got some things to say about it. So when we come back, we're going to hear about Optimize the Vision and talk about the last dance. We'll be back. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. I'm Robert Pierce. And today we are joined by Emmanuel Glaze, a sports analyst. I, mean, I gave you that name. I don't know if that's the name you gave yourself, but I just said that's what he is. So <laughs> as well like as you. I take it, Dr. Fan. You know, that's what we'll take. I take it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, and yeah, he spent a lot of years um, really dissecting sports and, and really bringing up the names of, of local coaches and athletes and, and giving us getting us up to speed on what's going on, not just locally, uh, but nationally as well. So I think it's a well-earned, uh, a well-earned designation. <laughs> so tell us what is, um, tell us about Optimize the Vision. I'm sure that it's probably been impacted uh, by COVID, um, but, but tell us a little bit about Optimize the Vision. Well, Optimize the Vision is a nonprofit organization that I created to merge the world of sports and what I am trying to take it to show that it can do more off the field as well as on the field. So, uh, you know, prior to becoming a sports analyst and doing radio, I used to coach middle school football. And for okay. 10 years, I did that. And then when I went into the sports analyst business, I was seeing all of these events. I was covering the Hawks and Falcons and Braves. And I was like, how can I merge these two worlds together? My, mm. I found that at the middle school level was just a very impressionable aid for kids. And if I can get that and show them not only what happens on the field of sports, but what can happen off the field, merge those two things together, I felt like we can expose these kids and show them different ways of life. And even during yeah. the COVID-19, when that hit, we still do virtual shows and we still have people come on from the sports world and talk to the kids. Right. So now we just have to do it through a virtual platform. So ah, it started back in January, 2019, we've been going a year. Now. Yeah. And we had to, we had to, and uh, it's been awesome. Um, I, I've got total 14 kids in the program now and um, they're from five different counties within the Metro Atlanta area. And we are just uh, couldn't be any more blessed to be able to do what we're doing. So. I love it. I love it. Well, we are going to um, pivot just a little bit and go into the research. In the interest of science, 
Today's research is brought to you by uh, Lemon Butter Cream, uh, by uh, Peasy Heads Lemon, lemon Butter Buttercream. <laughs> I'm like butchering it, ah! but it's by <laughs> brought to you by Peasy Heads. They are the creators of Lemon Butter Cream, but also a, a full service natural hair salon that handles all kinds of different um, types of natural hair. So if you are um, somebody who is interested and, you know, right now not doing hair, but definitely providing hair products, um, go ahead and get those products because we know your hair, we know your hair needs it. We know yeah, it does. You need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the um, research today is um, just really kind of looking at this idea, the science behind why we can't look away from tragedy, why we can't. Now, some of us like Robert has been really good at it. When I talk about tragedy in this sense, we're talking about, you know, the, the, the circus that that is the government and all yeah. of the different things that are going on. Um, and, and so for many of us, we can't look away. It's like, okay, what are they saying today? What what's going on today? And you know, and I I'm kind of somewhere in between. Sometimes I'm I'm done with it and I'm good. And other times mm -hmm. I'm like, well, let me just go, let me just try this press conference and see what's going to happen. And then of course wow. it's exactly it what fails you every time. It fails me every time. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there's actually science behind why we can't look away from um, tragedy or disaster. Um, and and basically. Um, our our brains are conditioned to look for danger um, so that we can protect ourselves. And so when we see danger, we want to know more about it. We want to we zero in on it to just kind of analyze it, make sure that we're safe and then, you know, kind of keep going, which makes a lot of sense as we're talking about, you know, what's happening with COVID and, and the fiasco that's happening, um, you know, on the leadership level. We're, you know, we check in every now and then to see, you know, wait, let me see what, what, let me gauge the level of danger here. And right. then, you know, some people stay plugged in, other people kind of check out after they've checked. So, mm -hmm. so that's kind of the, the main, the overarching reason why scientifically, biologically, we can't always just look away from um, danger. The other reason is that looking at disasters stimulates our empathy which is a good thing and yeah. we are programmed as humans to be empathetic so while we might be really angry at what the leadership is doing our understanding and our willingness to pay attention to what the leadership is doing enables us to focus on who is being harmed by it and allows us to um you know exercise our empathy for those people so so those are just a couple of reasons i'm curious to know you know what what both of you think of this and how this kind of uh resonates with you well, um, I, you know, I always found it fascinating, even um, in the context uh, on the highway, rubbernecking um, when it's an accident. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Uh, how yes. many times, you, you know, the accident's on the side of the road, but traffic is backed up solely because people are looking. They're slowing yeah. down to look, um, to assess the situation. And I've done it so many times. I've um, just in passing, I've evaluated the whole situation, investigated it, and could tell you who's at fault. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just by driving by. Um, and so it just resonates with me that, yeah, naturally, we try to assess and look at things to see, okay, how do I avoid that danger? And then again, mm -hmm. as you said, which is even more important, um, we look for some someone to empathize with, to look for the victim, to yeah. say, okay, 
I, I, I have compassion for them. We need to do something, whether that um, that that anger or whatever that, that emotion is, whether we do something with it or not, mm -hmm. um, we feel we have to um, display it. We've got our arm to do so when we know what's going on sometimes. Yeah. sometimes. Like one thing I, I have to throw in here real quick is I, this This reminds me of a date that I was once on. It was a one and done date. You know, we went, we went out one time and it was done. But <laughs> this was in college um, and we're going to the movies. We're walking down the street and at the corner, there's this horrific looking car accident. The car is like mangled. It was awful. Yeah. And do you know what this man did? This guy did, this kid did. <laughs> he he walked up his there. hands together and he said, ooh, carnage. Let's go over there. Wow. Yeah, that was the last day. Um, yeah. That says a lot about your character, right? There. <laughs> yeah, well, at the end of the day, he also took his fake tooth out to show me that he has a fake tooth. But you know, that's oh, wow. a, whole other, a whole other story. Oh, boy. <laughs> that just went left, Emmanuel. You saw how it left that way. <laughs> 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 that, that was in real I was in college. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Well, we need to go to break. And when we come back, we are going to discuss the last days. Yes. All right. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. And I'm Robert Pierce. And uh, we are joined by Emmanuel Glaze. He's um, just yes. he's going to be back with us in a second. Um, but today we are talking about what happens when the leadership fails. When the leadership fails, um, you know, we've got to lead ourselves. We've got to find ways to govern ourselves. Yes. And, Absolutely. and and I thought that the um, uh, well, and I really don't want to take all the credit for this because you brought it up last week, Robert, um, just with the sports and um, in, in terms yeah. of how sports are really um, I think there's there was some demonstration in the last dance of um, um, Phil Jackson and his leadership and man, if if he could just have been president for the last three months. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, um, yeah it just highlighted he was able to manage so many different um, situations, um, yeah. personalities, um, egos. And he mm -hmm. did it um, with the team in mind always. And, um, yes. you know, they won six championships. Could have been way more, but, you know, that's a whole nother topic. Right, right. Well, yeah. And yeah, um, that we can talk about. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, payscale.com published an article that looks at um, 11. Hello there. There he is. Um, you're back. <laughs> so we just delved into um, The Last Dance and Phil Jackson and his leadership. And one of the things I was just going to point out, just kind of a, as a, maybe a starter to the conversation, was that Payscale.com published an article that gave 11 leadership lessons from NBA coach Phil Jackson. And, um, and I think it's really interesting because the leadership that he's showing or that he has shown, um, I, he was my favorite coach. Um, I, I just, I really followed him, um, both yeah. when he was with the Bulls and when he was with the Lakers. Um, but be genuine. Uh, and I'll just fly through them. Uh, be genuine, share the power. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Everyone is unique. So really honor those unique attributes that everybody brings empower team members this is a big one and again i can't help but to compare what's happening you know yeah. with our white house leadership um 
empower team members. You don't have to have all the power. Um, mm -hmm. Make it sacred. And I'll just say what it says here. He says that playing basketball is actually a very mundane activity. So he wanted to bring meaning to the game. So he incorporated meditation and other rituals into practice as a mean of making the sport sacred. Um, becoming one entity, mm -hmm. showing compassion, focus on the team and not the goal, prepare for chaos, Hello. Yeah. Sometimes just do nothing. So like other professions, athletes are often on high energy people. Jackson said sometimes this needs to be counteracted by just doing absolutely nothing. And then the yeah. last one, number 11, is it's how you play the game. Um, all you, you know, as a leader, concentrating on how to win will just make you crazy, obsessive and counterproductive. All you can really do is create the best possible conditions for success and then realize that there's nothing you can do about the outcome. Bam, those are the wow. 11. Damn. I love it. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was a mastermind. Um, I It's amazing. Um, you know, growing up in New York, um, you know, I don't know if a lot of folk know, but they learned it on the documentary. Phil Jackson played with the New York Knicks. Mm -hmm. um, and growing up in New York, um, as a little kid, I, I had two jerseys. Um, it was Clyde Frazier and Phil Jackson. Wow. Um, and then also... Um, growing up, my father was from Albany, New York, upstate, and I used to go see the Albany Patroons play in the CBA when he was first starting to coach. And so I watched him go. Um, I grew up with Phil Jackson wow. and, and watching his coaching style, and um, he was just a master. Um, they, I always heard him be called the Zen master because mm -hmm. um, he mentally got you prepared for the games, yes. um, and it was just amazing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What are your thoughts, Emmanuel? You've got 11 rings. It says a lot about <laughs> And I think the one thing about Phil that everybody, you don't, personalities are tough sometimes. And he had some, we're dealing with the egos of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Shaq and, and the, what they call the craziness of Dennis Rodman. One of the, the points <laughs> that you made was when he said absolutely do nothing. Uh, yeah. was before in the last dance where they said when Rodman went out and partied all night. They didn't know where he is. He missed practice. And it was like, Phil, what are you going to do? Phil said, we don't have nothing. We're just going to let him play. Yeah. He went out there with 18, 19 rebounds with four <laughs> points. That's why he was the Zen master. He knew his team. He knew what was needed. And that's why you say what you want to. 11 rings are 11 rings. There ain't too many people that can say that. Exactly. Right. You know, and it's amazing, as Emmanuel, you said, he had to manage so many different personalities and understood understand them. He had to understand that Dennis Rodman had to be Dennis Rodman. Um, yeah. And then he even understood that Michael Jordan had to be Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? So when Mike needed to go away to play golf, you know what I mean? Go on and go do what you have to do. Um, he had to let Scottie Pippen be Scottie Pippen. You know, so he yeah. let everyone be who they were yes. um, and, and managed it. And he just did it so well. And then it translated to the Lakers and Shaq and Cole. We can go on for days. Yeah. Um, it, it, he was just a master tactician and he just knew the game of basketball so well. How powerful is that to just let people be who they are? I mean, we see the results of how that how that rolled out and everybody exhibited their own strengths and, and, and gave and con contributed based on what they had to give, you know, on the table. Yeah. This can translate to so many different aspects of life and leadership. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing, um, He's the Zen master, but he never wanted to be in the headlines. 
You know what I mean? He was <laughs> he was the wizard pulling the strings behind. You know what I mean? But yes. he wasn't trying to be the celebrity. You know, I don't remember any television commercials with Phil Jackson in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and now, yeah, I'm sorry, game, is, man. Great leaders don't want to be in the headlines. They want to lead. Absolutely. They want to be able to create greatness. And if you can create greatness, your leadership speaks for itself. And that's the one thing, you know, unfortunately, our leadership in our country wants to be in the headlines mm -hmm. right. and not be a great leader. And that's why we're having so many issues determining, like y'all were saying about what are we doing now during the COVID-19? Go back to what y'all were saying. Uh, the reason why I watch it is because one is a dangerous time for us, and two is a train wreck. It's a car wreck. So I'm watching both of them at the same yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> think about field leadership usually doesn't have to come out in the forefront. Your leadership speaks for itself. That's why he was such a great coach. Yeah. You don't have to People will sing your praises for you. And, and put you on the headlines and put you out there. Um, you don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to constantly say, um, you know, what our president's saying, for example, it was great, we did great, we did wonderful, it was a beautiful thing, it was, you know, yeah. that that doesn't need to be overemphasized. Mm -mm. No, let it speak yeah. on, you know, what you do, let the, let your actions speak for themselves. Yeah. Um, as you said, the people will recognize um, greatness uh, when, when we see it. Um, you know, we always said if you have to tell somebody you're the leader, you're probably not the leader. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> right. You know, you know I mean? one piece that I really loved was the, the whole unified front. So one of the, the 11 here is become one entity. And on the last dance, there was a press conference in which the manager um, was asked, you know, how are you dealing with all this backstabbing and so forth that's going on, you know, within the team? And he... Mm -hmm clamped down on that. He said, first of all, there is no backstabbing. And I want you to, do you hear me? <laughs> do you hear me? There is no, so whatever is really going on, he's like, uh-uh, we are a unified front. And how dare you try to create this kind of segregation or, or you know, um, inward fighting between us. No. And he ended the press conference. And I don't know if you all heard this, but somebody said, way to go, Kevin, or, or whoever. The, <laughs> yeah, whoever Jerry, the Jerry Crowd. Yeah. 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 You know, in, in the sports world to beat as a unified team, it's hard to be. Even with the Bulls, everybody knew their role. Everybody mm -hmm. knew that was so great about the lad. Yeah, Michael Jordan was the guy, but Michael would say I couldn't do it without Scotty coming out there and doing what he do. Yeah. Or Dennis going like him doing what he do. And that's why even to Judd Bushler and Steve Kerr, yeah, that was so good about the unified front because being a former coach, I used to hate teams that everybody knew their role. Nobody was trying to be better than the other person. They all knew. Even on the football field, there's 11 positions on offense, 11 on defense. Everybody knew what their position was. That's yeah. why that's so important. Like, you know, Dennis Robin knew, I'm going to get you 18 rebounds. I don't have to score. Okay. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan said, I got to score 30 points. Okay. That's how, that's what <laughs> you know, a unified team do. And it's hard to, it's hard to be. That's why, you know, when you see a fragmented team, we already know we see fragments all the time. Yeah, you know it's gonna be problems. Yeah, you know, and one of the powerful things, most powerful things, stood out to me when they highlighted the Michael Jordan Steve Kerr fight. Oh um, Steve Kerr said, "No one knew about it till weeks later because we kept it a secret." You know what I mean? Yeah. Now imagine a fight these days. Immediately, it's live on Twitter. You know, a teammate would have oh. put it on Twitter yeah. <laughs> immediately, and it'd have been a whole big thing. But they, they even in the uncomfortable times, you know, they kept it 
closed doors. Yeah. Um, and then Mike said, "I, you know, Steve gained my respect because he didn't back down. Yeah. I mean, he called him on his way um, out of the building. Yeah. Immediately after he was told, you know, you got to go uh, to apologize. He wasn't forced to, wasn't asked to. It says a lot about the culture that you've created for this team when that Absolutely. kind of thing happens. Yeah, that we're accountable to one another. And even in my frustration, I should not lash out to my teammate like that. Mm -hmm. And so when I found out that I, when I realized I did it, self-correction. Yes. And, and for a leader, that's, oh, that's the best huge. thing for your team to govern themselves. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that know, is huge. That's the key. To, that's a, a wonderful thing for a leader is to see your team hold each other accountable and you don't have to say anything. Right. And the history about leadership is if, you, if you're if you a great leader, you begin to create create leaders within as well. And he was Absolutely. creating Think about this. From that team, you got Michael Jordan, but Steve Kerr is a three-time NBA head coach basketball champion. You yes. know, there were guys who are now uh, John Paxson in early. He's the GM of the Bulls. He created mm -hmm. leaders within leaders. And mm -hmm. that's great leadership to me. If you can later look back on your leadership and you've created different leaders within the organization, that's what leadership looks like to me. And if you don't have that, if your leaders, if you don't uh, bring people to different levels, you don't, you can't express and I, That's not great leadership to me. And that's what I look for. And that's why Phil's got 11 rings. That's why his book's called 11 rings. When your book can be 11 rings, that's when you, you, you're a great leader. I love it. I got a question for you, Emmanuel. Why do you think um, that documentary at this time, and um, we can answer this when we come back because we got to go and we're going to come back to Balance Challenge. But I want to ask you this. Hopefully you can stay. Why do you think that documentary was so important at yeah. this time um, during the COVID-19? and Because it, it, it just rung so heavy with everybody. I yeah. want to hear your thoughts about why do you think it was such an impact um, during this time and um, when we we're, we're going to take a little break but when we come back we're going to go into the balance challenge and then we're going to get right back with Emmanuel Glaze and we're going to talk some more sports last dance here in the live exchange with Robert Pierce and Dr. Pam we'll be back Dr. Pamela all right so the balance challenge this week is I want you to think about your leadership strategy for yourself it's interesting because when I first entered my doctoral program you know we had these admissions interviews and the admissions um, professor asked me so why is it that you want to get this degree in leadership what do you want to do with it um, and it's so funny because like here I am like 15 years later and I told her then I want to teach people self-leadership um, we don't ever hear about that we hear about you know executive leadership and all all of these yeah. leadership principles and leadership traits, we never hear about self-leadership. And that is exactly what I told her I wanted to do. I wanted to teach people self-leadership. So hello, this week's we have, challenge yeah. <laughs> is to you know work on your strategy for self-leadership. There are places and ways in which our leadership is letting us down this week. So what I want you to do is think about how, how am I going to govern and lead myself and my family in spite of what's being told? We're being told we can go out into the world and do whatever it is we want, but that might not be the wisest thing for me and my family. So what is it that I'm going to decide to do um, in light of that? Now, there are also those of you who say, whatever, I'm going out. That's what I want to do. It's right in line with what I want to do. I still challenge you to not blindly follow what the leadership is telling you to do and to create your own agenda that's self that's self-leadership what are my values what are my principles and what agenda am i going to create around that so that is your homework for this week is i want you to determine your self-leadership strategy for the week <laughs> 
I accept that challenge. All right. We'll be back. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Robert Pierce. And I'm Dr. Pamela. And we've been talking with our guest, Emmanuel Glaze. We've been talking last dance and um, sports, all things sports. And um, just want to continue this conversation. It's been amazing. But Emmanuel, I asked you a question um, prior to our break. And we've been talking the last dance. And, you know, every day it's on every sports talk, radio show, TV, everything, every blog, every podcast. Why do you think um, this documentary hit so hard and was so important to us during this um, time that we're dealing with this COVID-19? Uh, I think it was a few reasons. One, we had nothing else to watch, so we wanted to watch something that we all appreciated. And the Bulls run was so special to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michael Jordan is still a big icon, so that's yeah. what made us tune in. Uh, two, uh, we just, I think people just like to want to, you know, feel greatness and feel good about something again. And this made us feel good to see a guy that basically who's been gone out of the public realm for over 20 years. We got yeah. a chance to hear, see him again, to see Michael Jordan. We see the shoes, we see all the, the scenes, but we never saw Mike. Like you said before, today's time, we knew every move Michael made because of social media. Back in the yeah. 90s, yeah. Everything was hearsay, and we only got what we heard from the news media. But this mm-hmm. was a chance to see Mike in a light that we weren't used to him seeing. Everything yeah. about Mike and behind the scenes. And during this time, I thought it was a great time. I, 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 uh, I always said, ESPN, let's bring this up earlier. We need something like this right now to get our minds off of it and for it to be a great 10 part. And it was great. Uh, to see as well. It was just great. Well put together. It, it brought the timelines. We got to see Mike behind the scene. Uh, we, yeah. we saw what the, uh, the, the, when he lost his father, what that meant to him. All that that we have all been wondering for years about Michael Jordan, we were able to finally see at one time. So that's why it was so uh, on time. And during this time where everybody has been quarantined and can't do nothing, to see something that meant to a, a lot to the, our generation when we was in the 90s, and also the new generation, they've heard of Mike. But right. they, you know, this is what they we were t- we told them about Michael Jordan, but this gave him a chance to actually see Michael Jordan and see how he played and see why he was so great. So that's why yeah. it hit everybody at the same time that this was well done and right on time. Because now when when we argue with our kids who the goat is, and we just say, now this is what I was telling y'all right here. This is what Michael right. Jordan Yeah, was. we got some documentation <laughs> now. <laughs> and that's why I was right on time and this this COVID, I hate to say it, but ESPN couldn't have released this at a better time because yeah. it was right when people were needing something to use as a release. And sports has always been there. We haven't been able to go out and watch an event for two months. And Gosh. this gave us a chance to go and watch an event. And this was an event, a 10-part event, five weeks of watching yeah. something that we've all heard or seen throughout our lifetime. Yeah, It was such a um, pleasant surprise with me, Kobe. Uh, I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how they bridge that. You, you, you know, for me, um, as you said, Emmanuel, growing up, um, I remember watching the North Carolina game uh, when he hit the last shot in, in the 80s, you know, against Georgetown. Um, knew nothing about Michael Jordan back then, you know what I mean? Um, just watched this skinny kid hit this shot over my Georgetown Hoyers. You know, back then we was Hoyer fans. Yeah. Um, and just to watch him come up, I remember buying my first pair of Air Jordans for $75. Uh, you know what I mean? And so, but we never knew Mike. 
never felt like we knew him because, as you said, we didn't get behind the scenes. So they finally, I finally got to meet Michael Jordan. Now, let me make this disclaimer. When he was playing, he was, he is the greatest. I could not stand him. (laughs) Because he used to kill my Knicks. And and I'm going to tell you, the best part about this documentary is the worst part for me. I had to relive those moments watching how I used to destroy my Knicks. But it felt so good. (laughs) I had a hard and Dr. Pam, you brought up something too. I didn't even think about. We lost Kobe at the beginning of, the, of this year. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. lost Kobe Bryant, so we needed something to bring us up and make us feel, you know, to see something that made us feel good. Right. You yeah. know, like we lost Kobe, and yeah, you know, that's huge. at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's huge. And um, yeah, and you know, yeah. Kobe, that was the bridge to the generations. Think it about was. it. A lot of the younger oh, folk. Yeah, Kobe yeah. was their Michael Jordan. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, even for the LeBron folks, the younger folk, they arguing about who is better, Kobe or LeBron. Mike isn't yeah. even in the conversation. <laughs> so Kobe like, was oh, the bridge. Yeah, Think about was. it. Kobe was the bridge to say, oh, we got to go back because Mike he was, was a beast. Dream team. Yeah. Here comes Kobe. And then the next era, literally. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Man. That's so, I mean, so it made for almost like three decades of solid, solid basketball, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And then what it prov- provoked me, um, the NBA network started throwing on them old games um, yeah. on the NBA yeah. network and on um, the NBA ticket. So I watched a lot of them old 90s games and I was getting mad again because Mike yeah. still was, you did that to yourself. was still yeah. killing them next. <laughs> Yeah, because you see the teaser for all the other the old games. Yeah, yeah it's always you know the Knicks was probably the most shown yeah, um, yeah. opponent on that documentary, yeah. other than Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> y'all had it rough back during those times. Yeah, so, Charles Smith could have just hit that shot. Wanted the Jordan meet the, beat the most during his time with the Knicks in the playoffs. So yeah, absolutely. Was, yeah, it was painful, but it was so fun. <laughs> But you survived. Yeah, it just. But did you die? (laughs) No, I wanted to, but it just felt. It it just fed me. It it was like a boost of adrenaline just to get the sports back again. You know, um, I was. I'm gonna be honest. I was fiending. I even found myself waking up five in the morning watching Korean baseball. Yeah, just to watch some live sports. Well, you know what? in real quick because um I, I was just kind of looking at what's the latest what's happening with sports right now in terms of what's opening and what's not and what i'm seeing right now is that a lot of um different sports are 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 examining the safety of you know should we start now should we not and and even the ones that have started or are, are thinking about starting have decided well, we're going to just play, you know, um, exclusively where there's not an audience, where there's not a yeah. filled arena and so forth. Um, the NBA is currently surveying GMs um, about competition formats, like what's the best way to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and so Major League Baseball is proposing medical and safety protocols for players. And so they're putting something in place for that. Um, yeah. And so, so what's interesting is that even though, um, let's say the state of Georgia, for example, has said, we're going to open up, we don't see the uh, NBA and NFL saying, okay, we're all in 100%. Now they are gradually looking at, okay, we're going to maybe start playing and trying or not, you know, working out 
-hmm. But I don't think I've seen, and maybe you got you all can correct me because I've been trying to read to see um, where any sport is like we're all in one hundred percent. No, they everyone has been cautious. Um, they're having a lot of probably daily meetings. I'm sure there's a conference call right now. Yeah. Um, with minds smarter than us trying to figure this thing out. I've heard proposals of the NBA having just two locations, one in Vegas, one mm -hmm. in Orlando, and everyone has to stay in a hotel. Once you're there, you're basically in a bubble. Yeah. Um, you, you cannot leave. There's um, examinations every day. I hear things with baseball as well. They're considering somewhere in Florida or Arizona just locking all the teams in, um, even with the NBA, considering – if you if you was the New York Knicks and you wasn't going to make the playoffs, um, your season should be over. You know what I mean? If you're the Golden State Warrior, let's not talk about <laughs> They're trying to figure this out. Really. And think about yeah. it. That lessens the exposure. It does. Um, you know, for, especially for a season that was already taking place now for the seasons like NFL and all that. Right. Um, just really, but, you know, it's so much contact. We really have to be careful. And, again, economics drives this. Can't yeah. no one afford a lawsuit over someone getting sick or dying over this COVID-19 because Speaking I had to fulfill a contract to play on a sport. And Patrick so just got um, diagnosed. Yeah, Patrick, you and I saw her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, a things, oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Sam. Um, no, no, go ahead. A couple of things that they've been monitoring. I think everybody, I know everybody's not big knowing that wrestling is a, uh, pro wrestling is a show but it's also a contact sport. And for the past two months, the world of professional wrestling has been working in Florida with different promotions. So they've been monitoring that. They've, like you said, NASCAR started getting into it. But mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is that it's gonna be a trust factor, not only with the players on the, on the field, but the fans as well. So Cream does, Cash rules everything around me. Sorry to go to old Wu-Tang reference. Yeah, no doubt. Wu-Tang People are is going to drive it to see because the TV stations have built, put billions of dollars into these sports. They want some sort of return from it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I expect by late June, you'll start seeing the sports. In the NBA going to try to do something. But I think, like you said, I'm a Hawks fan. We're out of it. So why even bring us back in? Let's get the right. top four <laughs> and, and bring them in. Baseball yeah. has to be done because it's not – a contact sport. It's a sport where you already have a social distancing type feel to it. So they're going to slow to get in it to where if you can put it on TV and people can watch it, maybe they'll start getting the fans and, and, and building that confidence back that's being missed. But anyway, if we, we can just watch sports like they showed with the last dance. People are craving sports. So yeah. they're trying to find a way to be able to bring it out. So I expect in, in June and July, like you said, college sports have already said June 1st they're opening the campuses back up to allow activity from college sports. So you're going to start seeing campuses around the country open up to allow students who are athletes to come on and start working out and doing things like that. So it'll slowly get back in. I just think uh, the new norm is going to be some empty stadiums for a while, like we've seen overseas in Korea and, and soccer overseas, and then mm -hmm. to where we have to rebuild the confidence. But again, I, I don't want to be that guy. We just – we don't have the confidence of the nation right now. So sports kind of have to lead the way to bring right. a confidence to people. So, yeah, I think sports is, is, is um, doing a much better job <laughs> of leading the way. It might be not be perfect, but, um, but, yeah. uh, but I, I, I kind of appreciate the, the uh, gradual, the, the, the meetings and the, you know, all of yeah. that. But, yeah. And uh, I'm even watching the um, golf tournament right now with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, 
they're doing tremendously on social distancing um, and all that. I'm watch, literally watching it right now. And so I'm sorry, I just wanted to get that in there. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, unfortunately, the first hour, we are done. Thank you so wow. much, Amelia, for joining us. Um, how can we reach you quickly? Hey, you can check me out, uh, Emmanuel underscore Blaze on Instagram, um, the Crush Sports Network on Instagram and Facebook, and Optimize Division on Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, and all that as well. So just find me, Manny yes. Blaze. You'll find him. If you look, you will find him. Yeah. <laughs> all right. for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. No Man, it's always a pleasure, my brother. It's been great. Always love talking sports. And um, we are, the next hour, we're going to have um, Dr. Shadea come on and she's going to talk to us about some parents. So see you then. We'll be, right we'll be back. back. We got to talk sports again more often. Let's do this yeah. quicker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the second hour of the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. And I'm Robert Pierce. And today we are talking about what happens when the leadership fails. We just yeah. need to lead ourselves. Lead ourselves, yeah. <laughs> you know, figure out what, what is it that we need to do to make sure that we are okay and that our families are okay. Uh, the first half of the hour, we were joined by Emmanuel Glaze, sports analyst, owner of Optimize the, the, the Vision, um, and really just kind of looked at the ways in which um, the sports industry is really kind of blazing the path and, and paving the way um, for how we should be, in, in, from a leadership standpoint, um, yeah. addressing, you know, some of these things. They're not perfect, you know, no, maybe some no. things are happening too early, but... Yeah, but they're asking the right questions. They're yeah. having that dialogue and trying to get all the possibilities on the table before they make a good uh, decision. Yes. And um, that's sound leadership. Get the facts before you make decisions. Right. Well, tell us about this golf tournament that you, you have the pleasure of, of witnessing right now and, and how they are doing it. Yeah, it's amazing. It is uh, a charity golf tournament. Um, Capital One is sponsoring it. It's um, between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, both PGA. Yeah. We all know Tiger Woods, right? Um, but they have partners. They're playing a four-man tournament. It's Tiger Woods and Hall of Fame quarterback Peyton Manning um, versus it. Phil Mickelson against future Hall of Fame quarterback Tom Brady. Um, they're down in Florida. It's um, it's amazing how they're doing this. This is totally um, the epitome of social distancing. Um, the commentators, one of the commentators is Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting in his own commentator. Charles Barkley, some other pros. Everyone is in their own golf cart. Um, no one is standing next to each other. No one is touching each other's ball. You're not allowed to high five anything. You can't touch another ball either. No, you only could touch your ball. Uh, okay. Yeah, you can't do anything. Um, everyone's so far away from one another, um, and they're having a good time. Nice. And so they're it. showing that um, we can still um, resume our normal activities, but just incorporate social distancing. That's um, right. It can be done if you are intentional. Um, about doing it is, is being proven. So I'm excited to see sports slowly or surely come back. And I believe NASCAR is coming back if it's not this week. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. Without the fans, yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that I that I see, you know, that that the leadership um within sports is is handling it well. Sports has always been a model for me anyway. Um, yeah. you know, even from childhood, I, I've just learned a lot of principles, a lot of discipline, character traits um through sports. And so I I appreciate seeing this um on a larger scale. Yeah, it was sports that honestly saved my life. Um 
uh, Coach Dave Nelson. If you're listening, shout out to Coach Dave Nelson who um, took some kids from the from the ghetto, um, from the hood, and made a basketball team and and showed took us out our neighborhood and showed us something different. Wow. Let um, me shout out my coach. Yeah, uh, Coach please Woods. Do. I did not like that man. He was our basketball coach. We were in, we were the the state champ or the league, not the state champs. Now I'm exaggerating. We were yeah. the league champs, okay. and that man worked us so hard. I did not like him. Yeah, I love him now because I have the same work ethic now that I yeah. developed being on that man's basketball team. I mean, he did yeah. not play. And if everybody on the team did not make a certain time frame, did not, you know, somebody was late, we all had to pay for that Absolutely. person. And so yeah. it was just, I, I, yeah. So when I run and I, and I do things and I push myself harder, it's because of him. It's he, he really, Absolutely. I didn't like him. Same, same <laughs> with my coach, Dave Nelson. He, he pushed us. He challenged us. Um, he was the one who made us go to school because if we didn't go to school we couldn't play um mm. that got me looking at college because we started seeing college you know what i mean and it's dave nelson and so i thank him so much and sports saved my life it really did it. yeah and well, so I, uh go ahead well I, I was just gonna cut in because I, I i i don't know if you all know but when we come back we're gonna have dr shadea or she's gonna be joining oh, us yeah we got hour. another guest i'm sorry yeah. So we're going to talk co-parenting. So I, I just wanted to cut in and say that before you before you. I'm sorry, you, I'm, you got me on out. sports. You should have did the co-parenting <laughs> first. I got a shift now. Okay, I got to be cool. <laughs> we'll be back. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Robert Pierce, and I'm Dr. Pamela. And on the last hour, we was talking about, we just wrapped up our conversation. Um, we had a sports conversation. Uh, we're just talking about when leadership isn't doing what they should be doing, you have to um, lead yourself. And we had our guest, Emmanuel Glaze, a sports analyst. We talked about the last dance. And we just had a good conversation about the impact of sports and how it's playing um, during this time with COVID-19. And as we're transitioning to open back the country, how sports is leading the way on just um, taking precautions. And unfortunately, our government isn't doing the same. And uh, so it's important today, today that we govern ourselves. But Dr. Pam, um, we're gonna yes. transition from there. And we have another guest and we're gonna talk about co-parenting now, right? Yes. Let's talk about co-parenting. Yes, yes. So we are um, gonna be joined by Dr. Shadea Edwards and uh, she is an expert in parenting and co-parenting and what better um, person to have to the table to talk about this in light of COVID than um, Dr. Shadea. So let's bring her on. Yes, let's bring her on. Hello, Hello there. Hi, Hello. Dr. Shadea. Am I saying your name correctly? Shadia. Shadia. Yes, okay. but you were really, really close. Okay. Dr. Shadia. Okay, I love I it. it. That's even more beautiful than what I was saying. So <laughs> thank I you. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you so much for, for your willingness to join us. Um, I'm really excited about this topic and partially because we I have had, I'm a, a life coach, which is, you know, okay. different than what you do. And mm -hmm. I've had so many people reach out to me and ask me, Ah, you know, how do I do this? And have had people mm -hmm. um, forward me articles about lawsuits and so forth that have happened when one parent is um, parenting one way and the other parent maybe isn't is, is um, perceived by the other to be in danger. Um, right. And and so I'll give a little bit more about one specific case. But let me first introduce you. Okay. Um, 
So uh, Dr. Shadia is a mother, speaker, psychology professor, author, and entrepreneur. She specializes in stress management and parenting, two things we really need right now, oh, yeah. utilizing her clinical academic skills and real life experiences to empower mothers to live a more balanced life. Dr. Shadia has over 18 years of experience in the mental health field. Um, she understands juggling schedules, balancing motherhood and career. She has an, a commitment to working with parents to assist with building and maintaining healthy and positive relationships with their children. She also works with parents that struggle to co-parent effectively. So welcome, Dr. Shadia. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Yes, no problem. You know, I, I am following her on Instagram and she posted, you know, her bio and her speaking. And I'm like, wait a minute, we need this woman on our show. Yeah. <laughs> so I inboxed her and she said, yes, I love it. Yes. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know, um, you know, kind of the, the scope of what you're doing and, and also, um, if you can clarify the difference mm -hmm. between, because I noticed that you have a PsyD, that's psychiatry, right? Yeah. No, it's a it's psych doctor of psychology. Doctor of psychology. Okay. Because yes. I was thinking, oh gosh, I see a psychiatrist and I call it a psychologist and I don't know the yeah. difference. So, <laughs> got it. So we got it right yes. then. Yes, yes, okay. you did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so is there anything, um, if you if you might want to just kind of share how people might be reaching out to you nowadays in light of COVID and, and what you're doing with co-parenting and stress? Yes. So I have been getting a lot of people reaching out to me through social media, any way they could get to me. And <laughs> mm -hmm. it's been about relationships, period. Mm. Whoever they're in the home with, with their children, um, those that are co-parenting who kid are going in between homes, those that are home with their husband or wives and they're figuring out like, uh -oh. Uh -oh. I don't know if I could do that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You guys would not believe how many people are really struggling in their marriages right now. Mm -hmm. It's so many. So if you're struggling in your marriage, you're also struggling with the parenting. So it's just not the single family homes mm. is also yeah. the parenting inside Goodness. the home. And the yeah. kids are yes. seeing all of it now. It's all not like yes. they're at school and you guys are fighting. Wow. Exactly. So it's so many different um, levels to what's going on in people's homes and outside the home. And I think mo most people are thinking like, oh, those single families, the that's divorce. No, just Actually, even parenting inside the home is a struggle for people right now as well. Okay, yeah. so I am officially making a shift. We're going to talk about both. Are you good with that, Robert? Are you good with that, Dr. Shadia? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's co-parenting, co-parenting. It, it just sounds like... You, you know, I never even thought about the two parents in the home and the, and the struggles with parenting. Um, yeah. It just came to me, just homeschooling a child and, and teaching styles. You know, that could set it off real quick. One person is a little shorter than the other with, with the child, and that could turn into something oh, real big. Yes. Yeah, wow. Yes, and, and we don't even want to really get into the people that are living in toxic environments. Yeah. So we have children and families that are living in abusive households. So just imagine being home every day in that. Mm. Nobody is getting to go out. So it's constantly all day. So coming out of this, it's going to be a lot of trauma, a lot of complex trauma going on for these children, these families. Everybody going to need therapy. 
Oh my goodness, yes. I mean, we all need it just from being in the house. Just in general. I I would imagine that there are some families that went into this healthy and now they're going to come out. Yes, healthy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, and going to come out a whole nother way. And so a household may not have been toxic um, prior. Now it's toxic because of the, the close, wow. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, did we get the signal? Are we are we going to break? Um, I've been in. I've been locked in this conversation. I, I don't know. She, she got me. I, I think I saw. I think I hear the music, but I don't. Yeah, I Doc, see. you got me now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think we might be going to break because I hear the okay. music. So, so we're going to go ahead and go to break. And when we come back to Dr. Shadia, I would love for you to kind of just give us an idea of, of what people are saying to you, like who's calling, the wives or the husbands or, or you know, what are they saying? Um, and then we'll just dig a little bit more deeply into that. Okay. So, so uh, we'll stay with Yes. All right. So the science today is brought to you by um, Shalon Willis Beauty Architect. She is the official makeup artist of the Live Exchange, and uh, she is usually responsible for the look on my face. But, you know, she's taught me a few things. So while we are in this whole sheltering thing, I'm, uh. I didn't put my lashes on, you guys. I got this, this is huge. So <laughs> and they're hmm. not falling off. The first show was <laughs> But I think I got it this time. You got it now. <laughs> yes. Shalon does uh, beauty demonstrations live on Instagram and Facebook on Tuesdays. Definitely check her out. She is beauty architect on all social media outlets. So she is definitely um, a great resource for those of us who like to get on camera, even in yeah. spite of the... Uh, <laughs> she is uh, a great person. She yeah. is a great person. She's amazing. Really is. Um, so today's research comes from um, healthline.com, and it's really looking at um, parenting and co-parenting, but really more specifically, it's looking at co-parenting with a narcissist. Hmm. Ooh, oh tips for making it work, yes. And and that's um, always a challenge. And um, mm-hmm. Dr. Shadia, uh, uh, Shadia, in just maybe like 10 seconds, can you just tell everybody what a narcissist is? And then I'll give the fact of this article. Cool. So dealing with a narcissist <laughs> is dealing with someone that is, in layman terms, that makes everything about themselves. Mm-hmm. So everything is about them. They are very, they are very controlling and they need a lot of validation. Okay. And the moment you're not validating them or treating them like they're this magical God per se, they will kind of just push you away. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. need somebody constantly validating them. It sounds Val- interesting. Yeah. Yes. So their <laughs> sense of self grandiosity is on Way another there. level. Yes. Way up there. Wow. And then the mm-hmm. thing is it also that they don't even know it or, or that they don't really, or do they know it? Some of them do. Okay. And, okay. and I'm going to say a lot of them do. Okay. Now, will they admit to being narcissistic? I think that's more. Probably not. So there's a difference yes. in knowing and admitting it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Admitting it, right. Yes, admitting it, yes. Well, that's good to know that they know it and they're, you know, and they're not admitting it. I mean, that's good to know. Right. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so some characterizations of narcissistic personality, um, according to this article, also includes 
in line with what you said, an inflated sense of importance, mm -hmm. um, an excessive need for attention, a history of turbulent relationships, um, a fundamental lack of empathy for the people around them. So mm -hmm. just imagine this in terms of parenting and not only just parenting, but now you've got to collaborate with them as yeah. a parent. Um, and so there's um, in, in this article, um, Melanie Tonya um, Evans, she's the author of You Can Thrive After Narcissistic Abuse. She explains mm -hmm. that your ex may even try to use your kids against you. So that's mm -hmm. that's common. She further explains that along with conflict, you may experience a number of other challenges um, that include not agreeing to custody and other arrangements, uh, make, you know, making you take it all the way to the top of the courts. You know, we're not we're fighting this all the way. Yeah. Um, not mm -hmm. acting nice or agreeable for your child's sake. Um, and interfering with your child's routine or appointments or belongings, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe not showing up for something or not bringing the kid back, but but all for the purpose of you're going to see me, you know, you're going to see my disruption. You're going to experience mm -hmm. this. Um, and so some tips that the article gives is um, number one, establish a legal parenting plan. Yes. Uh, legal is key. And that and I don't always advocate for that because some parents really know how to interact and collaborate mm -hmm. amongst themselves. But a legal parenting plan is going to be important because if they fall into a narcissistic state, that, that agreed upon plan is going to go right out the window. So you need right. something legal. Mm -hmm. um, right. Take advantage of court services. That's right in line with that. Man mm -hmm. Maintain firm boundaries. And this is something mm -hmm. I'm going to I am gonna have to ask you, Dr. Shadia, how how uh, yeah. take her boundaries, you know, with right parent like that. And know? and you said something very um very important. That custody order is there in place for a reason. Make sure you have it. I also do parenting plans that maps out everything for the child and the parents. And not that they always stick to it, but at least you have it. And yeah. it's a legal mm -hmm. binding agreement. Right. Um, mediators. If you need a mediator, it's important to you could get, like you said, from the court, you could get a court mediator. Boundaries. Now, when it comes to boundaries, I've worked with a few divorced families that is the father. Sorry, Robert, but it was the <laughs> father that was the narcissist. <laughs> okay. And when good. I say sticking to my, when you're dealing with a narcissist, you really have to be ready to go on a ride with them. Mm -hmm. So first you need to be emotionally and psychologically prepared for this. So I always say, get therapy, have you a therapist, somebody that you can talk this out with, because a lot of times they are feeling so belittled. Um, and most women that date or marry narcissists, usually come out of this low self-worth, low self-esteem. Yeah. So in that controlling piece of it, so you have to really scale back. If it has nothing to do with your child, there's no conversations to there's be had. And yeah. if you can't right. have a, a very logical and respectful conversation with me face-to-face -face or over the phone, then we could do text message. And actually the courts have, a text message app that families mm. can use. Wow. Um, yes. So it doesn't, so they could do the exchange that way. So those are some of the things that you could set boundaries on. And when you feel like that conversation is turning away from the kids, you excuse yourself from that conversation. Yes. So, and those are things that I always tell my clients, you don't fall into it.
because that's what they like. So oh, yeah. the moment they trigger you, they got you right where they want you. You gotta let it go. Wow. You have to and let it go. That's where therapy comes in because you know without therapy, you're still trying to plead your case about things that have nothing to do with the kids. Yes, yeah. and that's that's how everybody and even pe people that don't parent co-parent with a narcissist when you aren't able to set your emotions aside as the adults it starts to affect the way you co-parent right mm -hmm. so you have to figure out a way to co-parent especially in a narcissistic relationship and setting boundaries is going to be the best thing it's going to be hard for the narcissist because they don't like boundaries right you're going to have to set him so they yeah. can't come to your house whenever they want to they can't call whenever they want to whoever has primary custody however that court order is set up make them follow it to a t gotcha. well um this is a great conversation and uh when we be we're going to come back um shortly with dr shadaya and talk more about the co-parenting um i'm locked in i'm excited and we'll be back here at the live exchange with robert pierce and dr pam All right. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Robert Pierce. And I'm Dr. Pamela. And we're back um, here with Dr. I guess Dr. Shadaya, um, a, a doctor of psychology. Did I get that right? Psychology, yes. right? Amen. And we've been talking about co-parenting during this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, as a lot of you may not know that um, some people are struggling right now with co-parenting, whether they're a single um, family, you know, someone's single home, single parent mother, single father, or um, whether there's two parents in the home, there's some challenges that people are, are facing. And that's what we're talking about today. And so, um, Dr. Shadai, as you was talking before you came on, and I just want to continue on the conversation um, about the challenges that we're seeing and um, some of the cases that you're seeing. So uh, let me just sit back and listen. I'm learning a lot. So thank you. <laughs> And I, and I and just so we're clear, is it Dr. Shadia? Dr. Dr. Shadia. Shadia. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I said yes, Shadia. Shadia. Okay. Please <laughs> this forgive me. Yeah. No, I'm okay. sorry. I want to make Shadia. sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, and there were just a couple of more points from um, this article: parenting with empathy, yes. empathy, of course, for your child, yes. making sure that you are, are relating to their their what they're dealing with and what they're going through. This is a huge one. Avoid speaking ill of the other parent in front of the kids. Yes. We hear that often. Um, avoiding emotional arguments and mm -hmm. uh, and of course, and, and you've already kind of said said some of the other stuff. But but you had mentioned something about documenting everything, keeping records. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. keep records. So that is very very important. So if anything goes out of that court order, or even for the parents that actually have a very stable relationship and you guys make some changes during this COVID-19, just make sure you document it, that it shows that you guys have mutually agreed for the ones that's parenting with a narcissist. So you could keep track of everything that's been going on. So if you have to go back into court, mm -hmm. you have everything, every exchange that is going on. I had a mother that was going through that and the father he was leaving the nastiest emails, long books. Wow. And I told her, keep everything. So when you walk back into court, you have the documentation. Mm -hmm. So document, document, document. That is a big one. 
just to make it. sure to cover everything, cover both ends. And to be clear, um, the context that we're speaking is in the case of uh, a narcissist when you're co-parenting with a narcissist or if you have some kind of court order. If you have yes, some kind of- court yeah. orders. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah court- so what happens, um, you know, with, with people who maybe don't, don't have formal court orders and, and Robert had alluded to, you know, there's a lot of different challenges that you you know mentioned that you see with parents. You know, could you speak to to that? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm like I was saying earlier. So those that don't have court orders, like I'm a parent that don't have a court order. Right. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. And so being able to just really be on the same page, mm-hmm. if you guys could be on the same page and figure out where the child, if the child is going to go in between homes, then what are you doing to protect yourself from the virus? Right. That's a conversation first yeah. to be had. Like for me, my um, son father has to work outside of his home. So we make sure that my son stays with me because I'm working in the home. Mm-hmm. So I don't really go out much. And that's something we agreed upon. So if it's that way, then this is why we have Zoom, we have FaceTime, keep communication going for the child, not only with the other parent, but also friends, families, you know, yeah. keeping them engaged in something is going to really help and help you as the parent because what we're finding out is a lot of parents were not prepared and i've said in meetings for schools a lot of parents were not prepared for all this electronics they Mm. don't know how to use google classroom they don't know how to do any of this stuff right Mm. so that's a frustration in itself for a lot of parents you alluded to something earlier parents have different parenting styles so one may be a little bit more structured one may be a little bit more flexible so if they aren't on the same page they're gonna clash yeah Mm -hmm. and this is whether they're in the home together or Or not not. yeah exactly exactly and then we have to forget in the middle of that is the child so Mm -hmm. something that has been coming up where some of the schools aren't really providing work for families for their kids, I've been hearing so many different stories with schools. Mm-hmm. So my thing is you can print some stuff off online. Um, another thing I've been hearing is they're trying to stay to the structure. You guys do away with that. I, I'm sorry. You can have some structure, but all that, okay, they need to be up at 630 like they're going to school. Mm-hmm. Have some flexibility for these kids yeah. because they're stressed. Yeah. For mm-hmm. one, they have to be in the home with you all day. All day. Right. And we don't even we don't even think about the, the gravity of that. Yeah. That's big. They yeah. need time away from us too. We yeah. always think yeah. we're the ones that need breaks. Mm-hmm. These kids need need a break. Yeah. One thing, and I can say personally that I've done is I allow my son to sleep in. That not only helps him, but it helps me. Hello. So in the morning, I can start my day. I like to meditate, pray. I do all these things in the morning. And just so I can be zen and ready for what's coming with him. So now when he wakes up, I already have breakfast done, everything. Mm -hmm. Now we could get him started on his day and his homework. Another suggestion would be to calendar everything. So just like we keep our calendars for our business work, 
do the same with your kids. Yeah. That eases mm-hmm. some stress. Just so both of you guys are parents, everybody in the home could know what's coming up the next day. Mm-hmm. So you're prepared for the next day, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That's something that I've been finding that parents are really stressed about and just not understanding the homework. Yeah. Well, so I have to come back to the, the whole sleeping in thing because, you know, a lot of yes. parents who are strict and they've got these schedules, they, yes. you know, it's no, you're going to get up at this time every day and so forth. Uh, and so I, it feels very affirming um, and, and really um, permission <laughs> to hear it from you to say, oh, it's okay for them to sleep in because this is part of your mental health as a parent yes. and it's their mental health as a child. To, mm-hmm. you know, they, need, they need that rest. They do. They really do. And, and it's okay. It's, it's about flexibility right now. Yeah. We're all going through a crisis. So why add extra stress on yourself <laughs> if you don't have to? That's so and good. on the kid, right? Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so good. Cause you know how stressed you're going to be. If you tell them seven in the morning, time to get up, get up that alone. I'm stressed. Just saying that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pulling them out the bed and dragging yeah. them out. And yeah, exactly. Right. And I always have a, even with, before this, anytime I work with parents, I always tell them to wake up at least an hour early before your child wakes up. Mm-hmm. You need mm-hmm. to get in the right and correct That's mental good. space That's before so you even deal with them. Yeah. Because, well, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, because everything, I notice a lot of parents are rushing them in the morning because kids lag in the morning. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. kids like getting up, right? So right. they're lagging and they're rushing and guess who's getting stressed and who may lash out the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Right. Oh, that's so good. I, you're not I even going nowhere. Yeah. You're staying home. Why are we stressing home. about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, I don't have to say I'm spoiled because it, the flip, the script has been kind of flipped a bit um, in mm-hmm. this household. My, it's just my daughter and myself. And um, she, it, when school was in, would get up, get dressed, Come knock at my door. Mom, I'm dressed and ready to go. She's middle school. I'm going to go ahead and catch the bus. Give me a hug, kiss. And I'm like, okay, baby. And I'd be asleep. And, and so <laughs> it splits because now I'm up before her and I'm doing my morning routine and she's, you know, she's in bed. But it's a very different, different dynamic. And I welcome that because it's what we have, we each need to do to, to survive this. Exactly. Definitely. Uh, I agree with you 100%. You have to do what works for your household. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. So I'm, that's the only way we're going to come out of this because we're going into summer. So we're about to be in the house for the summer with our kids. So camp is out. Right. They have virtual camps. That's not much different than school. Exactly. So you have to prepare for the summer now. Yeah. So that transition. So what are you going to do during the summer days with them? Right. Because they can do sports. They can. And my son, like my son plays sports. Mm-hmm. So that was our thing in the summer. Yeah. yeah. So now everything is changing for us. Right. So a question with, with regards to the, the co-parenting piece, mm-hmm. you know, you've got your, you've talked about, you know, the structure of your household mm-hmm. and how it's going to work. Um, let's say it's completely different in, in another parent's household. And so now you're sending your kid from this one situation to the other, or maybe the parent, you know, you're home and you're doing your stuff. The other parent, yeah, they're home sometimes. And maybe they're, you know, but they're not really 
following the same procedures you yeah. are. We, yes. It's like we have to go to break, but um, but that'll be the question on the table. Okay. Um, I like that question. Yes. I was, that was going to be my question. Okay. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to that. So stay with us. Okay. All right, so this is balance challenge. I love it. Robert's watching golf, so you know. Yeah, I'm having a ball. Okay. (laughs) So this week's balance challenge is based on the overall topic of the show, which is really when when leadership fails, govern yourselves, lead yourselves, and this can apply to the leadership of our government, leadership of our co-parent, leadership in our home, whatever is happening. We've got to find ways to lead ourselves um, through whatever it is that we're going through. So leading ourselves, my challenge for you this week, and if we look at it from the lens of parenthood, I challenge you to, um, wh- what is the word, to, to when they go low, you go high, to find ways to go high, to be a leader of yourself, um, despite what's going on. Now, I know that there are some situations that are that are extremely difficult to cope with. And so what does that mean for you? And what, what are the strategies you need to do to lead yourself out of that situation or through that situation? Um, and so my challenge for you this week is how to be a leader of yourself through whatever the situation is that you're trying to deal with. So, so that is my challenge for you this week. How do you become a leader of yourself? So that's the balance challenge. Awesome. Back. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Robert Pierce. I'm Dr. Pamela. And we're here with Dr. Shadia. She's a psychologist and we're talking co-parenting in the COVID-19 pandemic and the challenges. And we've been having a wonderful conversation. And so I'm going to step back. And Dr. Pam, you was asking Dr. Shadia a question before our break. So I'm going to fall back and let's go. Okay. Well, so Dr. Shadia, one of the the, the questions, I guess the concerns that I have is when you are a parent um, who may be following certain procedures for mm-hmm. COVID um, and you're co-parenting with a parent who does not necessarily, and I'm not saying they're out partying and they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're not that extreme, um, but they're not necessarily, they, they're still doing things that you think might put your family and your household in danger. I'm going to give two examples before I let you answer that mm-hmm. question. So, Texas family law attorney Susan Myers recently advised a couple struggling to keep their shared custody schedule during the corona um, pandemic. The father who lives in Louisiana wanted to pick his child up from the mother's house in Texas. Um, But the father left Louisiana, a hot spot for the virus. Um, He would have to quarantine in Texas for 14 days. Hmm. So Myers suggested the parents meet at the border to avoid the two week quarantine. But the fact that that still remains is that the father is still in a very high hot spot area. In another case in Florida, a mom lost custody of her child because she is a medical professional and she has to, she's frontline. She's a nurse, I believe. And she has to go to work every day. And the father was not comfortable with that and took the case to court so that his daughter can stay with him. And he won and she lost custody. What I don't know is if she lost custody permanently or if it was just for this time being, but anyway, yeah. So I'm just curious to know your thoughts on, on those kinds of challenges. So things like that, I think, with, with co-parenting, you you have to communicate, right? Communication is key. And when I say communication, not demanding, you can't be demanding. You can't be like rude about it. Right. What needs to happen is understanding that both homes are connected. Mm-hmm. Even though both families aren't, excuse me, both parents aren't living in a home, have that conversation. Our homes are connected. Yeah. So 
we have to be on the same page as far as our social distancing and how we're going to quarantine and always make it about the child, the safety of the child. We have to remember. And even if that's going, you know, looking at what's on the news and articles, you know, talk about, you know, what you've seen that's going on where you live, if you guys live in separate states. So use what's going on in the news to kind of help um, facilitate that discussion. Keep up on the health news. So maybe that can, you know, generate a better discussion. Well, this is what they're saying that's going on over here in my state, you know, and I also took the liberty to see what's going on in yours because again, remember we're connected. Yeah. And take that away. And this is something that we teach people with anger management and conflict resolution is do less of I statements. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Do more of I statements. Okay. You know, don't make the other person feel like their back is up against the wall and don't make the other parent feel like they're not a part of the decision making. Right. In those cases, it seemed like it kind of went to the point where they needed to have the court step in yeah. and it can get that extreme. <clears throat> so if it gets to the point where you guys can't come to a resolution on your own, then you need to bring the court in. Definitely. And, and that was, you know, of course, all I could do is speculate about what happened. So for example, in the court case with the mother who, you know, was, is a nurse mm -hmm. and she's working and I'm, I'm sure that's a, a really tough situation um, because what we don't know is, um, you know, perhaps, you know, why didn't the mother want the child to go to the father while, right. Right. Yeah. If, you know, maybe that, that would be the safest thing, but right. we don't know the situation, you know, perhaps mm -hmm. in the father's house. So maybe that was a tougher decision than to simply say, no, 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 go ahead keep the kid while I am working right. lines that would complicate, you know, a lot of things. And on the <laughs> other hand, it could have been completely ego. Like, no, this is my child. I'm gonna have my child, you know? Right. Um, so it really could have gone either way in both cases. That's extremely challenging. It is. Yeah, definitely. It, it is. Co-parenting is just a challenge until you really figure out how to be on the same page Yeah. Mm -hmm. and do what's in the best interest of the child and know, that you guys aren't enemies. You guys are on the same team. We're just not together anymore. We're single men and women, but we are co-parenters. So we are a team until we raise this child. Have you successfully ushered a family who is at odds into becoming a team? And what does that look like? Cause that's hard. Yes, yes I have. <laughs> yes, I have. And one thing, Dr. Pamela, is once they take their stuff out of it and do the healing, whatever happened on why they didn't make it mm -hmm. is a lot of times yeah. comes into their parenting issues. Mm -hmm. So now yeah. and then taking your kid out the middle, it's not a triangle. You two mm -hmm. are the parents. Don't yeah. put the kid in the middle of their parents. That's a whole nother issue. We can have a whole discussion on that it's right. so many kids that fall in the middle of their parents and that's not good mm -hmm. for their mental health so yes i have and that was one of the things is recognizing if if you're feeling bitter if you're feeling whatever happened in that relationship you got to do the healing from that that's once good. you do the healing from that 
and you recognize because sometimes it's easy to say like put the kid first but when you have mm -hmm. all these emotions going on sometimes you can't even yeah. fathom that part right yeah right so you have to do the, you have to do the healing and forgiveness forgiveness is huge mm -hmm. and forgiveness is not about them it's not for the other person it's for you to take your power back Amen. yes because yeah. that's how you're going to be effective for your child you guys are raising a whole child for 18 plus years together Mm -hmm. And if you don't want your child sitting in a therapy room for you guys, right, not taking care of yourselves, yeah, you're going to be paying for your child to go to therapy, right? Mm -hmm. And you said 18 plus years. My son is 24, and I heard from his father the other day, and I'm like, wait a minute, we done raising him, right? <laughs> like, wow. Your son is in college. Yeah, yeah. why am I hearing from you? No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. is, and it takes some emotional toll, and it takes a real mature individual to be like you know what i do need to heal from this mm -hmm. because it's gonna affect my child if i don't and and you know we're getting close in but i want to make sure you touch on this uh yeah. about parents who are still in the household together because this applies to them too as well yeah. wouldn't it oh yeah oh yes 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 deal yes, with yes, their yes. stuff while they're in the right. house you know oh yes that that has actually come up a few times and just recently i had a mom that i was working with because of that same thing her and her husband not getting along so they have layers they have relationship problems mm -hmm. and then their co-parent is they've never been able to co-parent in a house together they have different views of parenting mm -hmm. and for me they needed to go back and understand how they were parented because a lot of times we need to track back yeah, and we need to understand our trauma. Mm. We bring trauma into two people that have been in um, childhood who've experienced childhood trauma. They connect, yeah. and it's toxic. That's Man. a train wreck. Yeah. That's a whole show. It's right. a whole show. three minutes. Right, that's <laughs> yes. a whole show. It's a Goodness. whole show. Right? Oh my so god, you know, you're stuck in the house. Mm. So now I've. You guys need to get on some virtual therapy. You need to you guys need to nip this in the bud because right now you're stuck unless somebody's going to leave if not yes. it's going to affect the child right and i'm always yeah. big on that kids don't thrive in toxicity they don't mm -mm. right right my goodness okay so uh just gave me a new show idea when when traumas oh you're you're getting me fueled up now collide. yeah oh yeah <laughs> gonna do a show collide or attract or whatever yes oh uh -huh. so that childhood trauma it, is big and the adulthood trauma you know there's this whole all this work on aces which is powerful powerful work mm -hmm. but man there is a thing called adulthood trauma too oh yeah because uh, we I, bring yeah. all that baggage from our childhood from adulthood it's like whoa mm -hmm. as soon as i left my parents house trauma stuff mm -hmm. happens you know yeah. and so yeah, that we it goes throughout our life, right? Yeah. The only difference is people that have coping skills and don't. And don't, yeah. right? Yeah. Versus, mm -hmm. are you saying something? Yeah, I was saying I saw this actually like this one thing it was just like uh, 
did you guys were you guys actually attracted to each other or do you guys share trauma and traumatic experiences? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, we're doing a whole show on it now. It's gonna happen. It's I'm gonna call you back, Shadia. Yes. We're gonna call you because yeah, let's ready. get your schedule. It's get my you on there. Topic to talk about. Yeah, I'm so. already feeling it. Like, <sighs> so yeah, we're gonna definitely talk about that. But no, I'm, so we are getting close to the end. But I want to ask you, just you know, how do families? Because look, you're talking about the families who've reached out. You, you're talking about the people who have made it known. How do families know that what we're doing in this house is not normal? Like this is a little bit beyond what we should be dealing with, we need help. How do they recognize that in themselves? And then how do people reach out to you or somebody like you? Right. Um, ways to recognize it if you guys are maybe arguing more or you guys are ignoring each other. Mm. Any type of changes that have happened that mm. is not positive, that's a sign that something is going on if that's not the norm in your household, right? Right. And that's when it's time to either, you know, reach out to somebody online, ask for referrals. Most people have social media, you know, look into even a coach, a therapist, whatever you need, Mm -hmm. reach out to somebody. Start somewhere. Start somewhere, yes. So how can they reach out to you, Dr. Shadia? Yeah, so I am on all social media under Dr. Shadia's one word. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find me everywhere. I have a website. It's www.drshadia. I mean, sorry, dredwards.com. Um, and you can um, email me. And that's info at drsedwards.com. All right, there but we yeah, go. Social media, you can find me on social media, Dr. Shadia. And for those of you who are not watching visually, visually, or you're watching on, uh, or you're listening from the TuneIn um, Satellite Network, um, it's S H A D E I Y A H. Oh yes, S-H-A-D-E-I-Y-A-H. thank you. D E I Y A H. Yes. So, um, wow, this is a wow. powerful show. My goodness, so much good information. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. You're Dr. welcome, yeah. you guys. Thank you for having me. And thank you for allowing me to serve your community. Absolutely. We're, we're probably going to have you back in a couple of weeks. So I hope you're couple ready. Yes. 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 Bring me back. Yes. All right. I enjoyed this. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, everybody, for listening. And be sure to check us out every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. right here on Sensation Station Network. On Also on, on TuneIn um, Radio. My name is Dr. Pamela. I'm Robert Pierce. And remember, when we dialogue better, we do better. better. All right. Talk to you next week. Have a blessed week, everyone.